Hey everybody, it's me Jade Madison Scott and I'm glad to be here with you. This episode I'm talking to local filmmaker Derek Bell Perez. When I was researching Derek and his production company Axion Pictures, I was struck by the prolific nature of their productions. Short films, music videos, commercials, overall there was quite a bit of content. I was especially curious about his short films, and that's a lot of what we talk about in this episode. From the writing, to the filming, to the funding, to the distribution, me and Derek talk about it all. Now before we get to the episode, I want to tell you, transcripts and show notes can be found at WGCProductions.com, and if you subscribe to our Patreon, you can access an extended version of this here interview. Alright, the episode is coming up, and remember, this is a WGC production. As a young Tampa native, Derek has made filmmaking his passion that started with his younger self watching the behind the scenes content of his favorite films. At the age of 22, he already has over a decade of experience shooting multiple commercials, documentaries, features, and short films. He hopes to make a difference through his storytelling and other creative works. Hey Derek, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So I'm just gonna start off with the same question I ask literally everybody on this podcast. Um, we already know you're from Tampa. That's what the season's about. But I do want to know, where are your roots? I am born and raised in Tampa. I am Puerto Rican. Um, however, I do not speak. I was adopted into a white um, family. All right. So first things first, you're a filmmaker. So how exactly did you know that filmmaking and videography would be something that you wanted to do? Very early, actually. I was um, young. I loved superhero movies growing up. So I always watched, I was, uh, I was obsessed. So I would always watch behind the scenes and whatever was sitting in the, um, the bonus features on DVDs. So um, from there, I kind of just, you know, became obsessed with, you know, what, what went on behind the scenes of films. And I decided to try making my own movie and, you know, kind of hit the floor running from there. Ah, and you gained your passion through watching behind the scenes content, but how exactly did you learn how films work, like how the filming process worked? I would say when it comes to filmmaking, it's more so trial and error. I am a strong believer that when you're making a movie, you learn a lot and it's a huge journey, but what people don't understand is it's a journey. You know what I mean? You start from creating the film and then developing the film that you created and then even premiering the film and showing people. And I tend to see the premieres. Uh, where other people are actually sitting down watching your film mm-hmm. as where most the learning lessons come through because you're seeing the audience engage with your film and you're seeing what works and what didn't work. What would you say like, is the most important thing you've learned then from working on your films and watching these people at the premieres? Um, I'd say the number one thing I've learned is create a good story. At the end of the day, you're telling a story. You may not have the best sound equipment or you may not have the best this equipment, but at the end of the day, if you're telling a good story that is interesting, that is engaging, um, that's relevant or if not relevant, piques the interest of others, mm-hmm. you know, follow through with that. And you, you, you're still going to get people that really engage with your, your story. Hmm. And I had the pleasure of watching uh, essentially everything you put out on Axiom Pictures YouTube page. So I, I watched a lot of you guys' content and I noticed that for your films, you are the writer as well as the director. So going off of your point about making sure it's a good story, let's start from the very beginning of your process. When you have an idea that you want to turn, turn into a film, where do those ideas come from and how do you put them on the page? 
Well, first of all, thank you so much for engaging with some of our work. And, you know, at the end of the day, where I start off is, is I, I start with what kind of story do I want to tell, right? I look mm-hmm. at what kind of story I want to tell. From there, I then create a character. And when you create a character, you got to do a whole, you're creating like another individual and you got to make someone that's interesting enough for um, us to follow throughout the entire film. And from there, we, you know, we draft the script and we, you know, you send it out to get revised and you come back and you do your final draft. And, you know, we get the cast and crew together. We set up a filming schedule. We do all the pre-production, you know, all the ironing out of the project prior to, and then uh, we kind of jump on and we shoot, make the projects come out. And from there, we um, we move into post. And what I try to do now, what I didn't do years before, but I do now from learning from experience is I try to um, try to set up post, um, organize everything for post prior to filming so that by the time we're there, we just drag and drop everything. But Mm -hmm. from here, we kind of edit the project, you prepare it and you uh, get it ready for release. And from there, you figure out what outlet you're putting it on and you you kind of get it out there. Okay. I'm going to get further into this process because I think it'd be really useful to, for people to hear how exactly you go through this beat by beat. So at the beginning, 100%. you said just, yeah, at the beginning, you said your story stem from the characters. I'm a writer personally as well. And I'm wondering, and this is something I noticed with my own work. So I'm wondering if you notice it in yours as well. Do you typically have a character you sort of go back to a sort of archetype that you're really comfortable with? I, I you know what? I tend to do that a lot and I try to stay away from that. What I do is I always try to go back to the character I did in the last project. And I think, wait a minute, we're doing something different. So what I always try to do is from there, I try to create something I've never done before, a character I've never done before. And that's always hard. And for me, it always starts with the name. It always, 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 always starts with the name. And I'm not sure if you're familiar. I know there's like some people like names have meaning, right? So there's yeah. websites you can go to where you can learn the meaning of a name. Yeah, I'm one of those writers, yeah. I love to do that because at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, you're literally creating someone and it kind of gives you like a little base to create with. Mm-hmm. I'm also very much into a little bit of psychology and understanding of certain disabilities and stuff like that. So, you know, I try to focus on stuff like that as well to create realistic, relevant characters that people at least have come across once in their lifetime and then build on to them and engage with them. And at the end of the day, you're creating a character that the audience is going to follow through the rest of the film. It has to be an interesting character. And the number one thing as a writer, and I always tell everybody this, if you're writing a project, your character in any story, any story, way, shape, or form has to grow from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. Mm Mm-hmm always 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 and it's finding what does that growth look like what are the struggles the character is going to face coming to that growth uh and that's how you intermingle with the kind of story you want to tell so for example we just finished writing a television pilot for an lgbt filmmaker character it's a comedic project it's not like it's a superhero or anything it's a very so it's a high school drama with funny moments in it. And, you know, my thing was, what do I want the growth to look like for the character in it? And it's more so, uh, it's, and it's two things. It's first of all, him coming to terms with being a 
uh, LGBT individual, but also him coming to terms with being a filmmaker. You know what I mean? Being mm -hmm. a filmmaker, if you're involved in the arts, you know, artists are weird. We are weird sure are. people. Yeah. So we're different. We're out there. We're outside the box. So it, I wanted to create the understanding that, yes, we are outside of the box, but there is nothing wrong with that. How do I develop that idea throughout the entire film so that the character can realize that? So that's more so my process. Um, okay, so at what point do you decide that it's time for other people to see the script that you've been working on? At what time do you decide it's, it's right to have other people's eyes on it? Pretty much my process with that is I develop a script I, I'm I'm guilty of it. I get super excited. I get super excited when I finish the script because I'm, I'm it's like proud. Mm -hmm. You know, you're proud. From there, yeah, it's an accomplishment. Literally, literally. From there, I write the script. As a filmmaker, I try not to. Um, I, I I ship it out to certain individuals. I don't ship it out to just film buffs. You know what I mean? I don't mm -hmm. ship it out to film buffs to revise because at the end of the day. You got to understand, you know, when you go to, when you go see a scary movie, for example, you go sit in, a, in an AMC theater, you go sit down in a movie theater to watch a scary movie. You got different people in that audience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, so you got, you got people from all different cultures, different backgrounds. My goal as a filmmaker is I don't just submit it to film critics because that is, um, I do, but I don't just submit it to them. I submit it to regular people. You know what I mean? Uh, a teenage boy, I'll, I'll let him read the script. A working mother, I'll let her read the script. You know, you give it to different people to get different perspectives. And, and from there, I kind of use that to help me market the film and figure out who I will be um, engaging with most with this story. So that's kind of my process with that. And, you know, with the whole short film thing, I only release some of my short films. You know, I have one coming up, actually, Ice to the Sky. Yes, I'm excited for that one. We actually just, we just finished the rough cut for that. Oh, congratulations. We'll be submitting that to festivals hopefully soon, but that won't be released. That's not going to be released because the goal is to turn that into a feature film. I see. Okay. To continue on with this process then. So you write the script, you have different eyes on it. You determine that it's ready to go and it's ready to be actually produced. Once you have the script, how do you go about compiling a team to make the script turn into a film? Well, first I, I, I go to my board. I have a big board in my office and I figure out, okay, what, what do you need? So what do you need to make a project? For my team, what we have is we have, a, obviously we have a director of photography, someone who can manage the camera, camera team. Mm -hmm. We have our um, sound. Sound is very important and always tends to be crazy. Uh, so we find someone to manage sound. I then find a script supervisor someone to work with talent and work with me um, with the script. Cause I will literally jump into a scene and be like, all right, what the hell are we, what are we filming? You know what I yeah. mean? And they, um, they'll be like, Oh my God, you wrote the script. I understand I wrote the script, but you know, when you're filming a movie, your brain's all over the place. Um, and then we have um, a UPM. The U my, the most critical role in all productions I've ever done is the UPM it's a unit production manager and pretty much they run the set. They make sure everyone's where they're supposed to be. They make sure everyone's there on time here at this time here at that time. I usually work with the UPM to work out a filming schedule. I've, I've written filming schedules and then 
you know, my UPM is like, Derek, I do not like this schedule. Let's rework <laughs> it. And, you know, we, we have to go back and forth figuring that out. I, I, I work with Samantha Hapa. She's a Tampa native and she's, she's amazing. I mean, she's honestly the best UPM, best project manager I've ever worked with. And she's always very detailed, always very detailed. She keeps me on my toes. She keeps everyone on their toes. Whenever Samantha's there, you already know the job's getting done right. So from there, we, you know, I put the team together. We do a lot of meetings. You know, I meet with everyone individually to see what, how their department is doing and what, what, what they're getting ready for and what uh, concerns or needs that they need for me to engage in. A lot of times I'm producing the projects as well. So I'm overseeing everything uh, as, as a director, but also as a producer. And then also we, you know, we do group meetings where we kind of everyone lays out what, what's the goal. On top of that, I tend to work with the cast a lot. Uh, I do a lot of the rehearsals myself. I, or I supervise them and I, um, I work with the cast individually. I, I use backstage to find actors. I also use, I post, we post on our social media, hey, anyone looking to submit for these roles? Um, and I kind of, we kind of, we do, we're doing zoom, uh, auditions now, but, uh, oh. we audition them and we, uh, if they do good, we do rehearsals and we go ahead and bring them on board and get everybody, um, set up. And I'd say we rehearse for about a month or two and we get everything together. I think ice to the sky, we did, I'd say a couple weeks of rehearsal because the talent we had on ice to the sky. They were ready. I mean, they were ready to jump on board and make it happen. That's wonderful. Do you have a background in theater? Because when you said that about your audition process, that reminded me a lot of the audition processes in theater. Do you at all? Absolutely. I have <laughs> years of experience. I also did ballet. I did ballet oh. and um, dance and stuff like that for years. And uh, ballet taught me how to be a good actor. Ballet is, um, you, you pretty much have to act without using your voice. You can't talk in a ballet at all. So you have to literally use your body and your facial expressions to get an idea across. That's one of the big things I look for in auditions as well is I look at the face. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you can say something all day and all night, but at the end of the day, if your face doesn't show it, it's not being delivered to that audience. So I always look at that. And as you mentioned earlier in the interview, you often also produce these projects as well. So how do you go about securing funding for your film? So securing funding is the most difficult thing ever. Like, <laughs> um, I'm telling you, I'm trying to find financing for my feature film, especially now with COVID. It's, it's really hard. I, I can share some resources that were given to me that I tried to engage in. Um, oh, that'd be nice. I'm still Thanks. learning. Like I said, financing is hard. You know, one thing is first, what, I, what I've done is I reach out to local film groups to see if they're, they'd be interested in sponsorship. Sponsorship's a huge thing for pretty much people can invest in your film and receive sponsor incentives. So their name in the credits and also... Like, for example, what we do as sponsor incentives is they pay a certain amount. We'll give them a T-shirt of the film or they'll get a copy of the film. Or, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of incentives you can do with that. And, you know, you'd be surprised. You can go to local bars and restaurants and community organizations uh, and reach out and see who'd be willing to. You know, I'm a minority owned business. My company, Axion Pictures, 
So I try to reach out to organizations that are in support of, you know, people of color making films and getting those opportunities because it, it is difficult. It is difficult, but I still, I believe there's people out there that want to help us be something amazing and then set an example for others. Mm-hmm. So, you know, among that perspective, you know, that's one way. Uh, another way is I know crowdfunding, there's Indiegogo, there's Kickstarter. It's kind of the same with sponsor incentives, but this time you're not going in person to ask people for money. This time you have to create a pitch video, you have to create material, you have to really outline your sponsor incentives and you're asking the public for support. I tend not to really get involved in that. I don't really do crowdfunding. I've tried a couple times. I've been successful to an extent with that. The reason why I say I don't really engage in that because it's it's like a, there's, it's a whole marketing. It takes a lot of marketing to run a successful uh, Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaign. And I try to focus more of that time in preparing and producing the project. And you know what I mean? In, in, other, in other realms of you know, production, stuff like that. Another route for financing is what I just learned not long ago is product placement. Um, there's a website I believe you can go to. I think it's called Irma, E-R-M-A. And it's all about product placement. It gives you uh, contacts and brands and representatives and who to call and who to contact. And pretty much what you do is you go through to them and you say, hey, you know, I'm looking to produce a project. Um, this is, you know, you give them your pitch material. This is what I'm doing. This is the scope of the project. This is when we're filming. This is how we're putting it together. They might want to see the script. They might want to see what kind of project they're, you know, allowing their brand or product to be in. And you'd be surprised. I, I've, I've heard, I, I know of someone who produced a short film and they, um, I think they, they used one of the soda brands. They gave them like $5,000 just to have sodas at the table, at a dinner scene. You know what I mean? Just have sodas sitting there on the table and they drink it occasionally. And I, I heard they also give you stuff for your crew and your cast to um, have also on set as well. So it just depends on what you look into. But I know that is a route as well. You know, I think another route is investors. If you can find people that will invest in your project, you know, even family, friends, you know what I mean? They know how passionate you are about your project. My mom always invests food. You know what I mean? When we have sets, we, She's always investing food. She's always like, oh my God, I'll cook. Don't go out and get food. So she's always cooking for the projects and taking care of everyone. If you are in association with a uh, nonprofit when producing your projects, depending on the nature of the film, I don't think you can, I don't know how hard, easy it would be to do if you, you're making like a film on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I know for my foster care film, we did Rise to the Sky. Unfortunately, we did not have a nonprofit, so this did not work, but we were so close. Publix was going to sponsor uh, meals for every single day of filming. Oh. If we were to have that nonprofit, which we do now, but, you know, just as a heads up, if you have a nonprofit or even work with or in association with the nonprofit, you'd be surprised. There are companies that would be willing to just donate food for your production for credit, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. For that Publix deal that didn't end up going through, did you just go out and email them or? I know I called them. I'm a caller. You know what I mean? And they, they were very awesome over the phone. They were great. They were like, man, we wish you were a nonprofit because we were going to give it to you. And, you know, they expressed that they really like doing stuff like that. They really like supporting the arts. They look, they like supporting filmmakers. 
Publix is a great company. I heard Subway is very good as well. Like for example, I'm I'm just doing the foster care film, and now we're since we're putting together a feature for it, I'm gonna look into Wendy's. I know Wendy's has they have a whole charity thing for children in foster care. I went into a Wendy's in Orlando and I saw this big plaque on the wall, and they support children in foster care and initiatives that really try to benefit them. And if you really consider it, that's exactly what my film project is doing. It's giving a realistic look at what foster care looks like, what the system looks like, and giving people a realistic look on what it looks like not only brings people to want to adopt, not only brings people to want to get involved, but it gives people um, competency. And I think that's the hardest thing people, when it when it comes to the foster care system is people, new people wanting, oh my God, I want to adopt, I want to get involved, I want to do this, I want to do that. They don't have the competency that comes with that and understanding trauma and understanding some of the behaviors you'll be seeing. So that's kind of the goal with this film I'm working on now is to go into that, but also go into the character. The character is such a strong character and I, I can't wait to um, you know, explore that further in the feature film. Mm. So with the film like Eyes to the Sky, which is about abuse in the foster care system, or it's abuse in his biological home, but then being thrown into a broken system. Oh, I see. I see. I was reading the IMDb description and I don't think it caught the nuances of that. So for a film like that, which deals with a, a heavy topic, how do you as a director come in and create a, a supportive and emotionally healthy environment? Well, I, yeah, this project, I actually had to consider that a lot. Because I was, I was in the Hillsborough County foster care system for eight years and I was adopted. Um, I even fought and got custody of one of my siblings and I had to, for me to step into this project was very, you know, I wouldn't say re-traumatizing, but in a sense was like open, like taking off a bandaid, you know? Mm -hmm. So what I did to kind of prepare, and that's pretty much the best word I can put is prepare for it, was, you know, just kind of had to, you know, I obviously had the film, I had the short film written from the feature, which I had written years ago. I've had the script prepared, but finally choosing to embark on it, I had to, I had to first, you know, make sure everybody who was in the cast and crew were all on the same page. Like, hey, this is a very serious project. This is very, you know, this is what my goal and my intentions with the project is. I know there's a film out there right now here in Tampa that everyone's going crazy about because the director had a hidden agenda and never told anybody in the cast and crew. That's terrible. From what I'm hearing. And in it, it was not a, it was a very controversial hidden agenda. And, you know, I didn't want to do that with my cast and crew. I'm very straightforward. This is exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. And to, to be honest with you, the, the amount of support I received from them was tremendous. And even, even if we have to step, if, even if I have to step aside for a second, just to take a quick breath, they were very respectful uh, in regards to that. Not only respectful in regards to understanding, but also very open to learning more about what it's like uh, and very inquisitive. The guy that played the main character, Fabio, was very, very much interested in talking to me about my history and what I've experienced and what would I do or what would uh, a kid in care do in a situation like this and how would he react to this? And, you know, they were very vocal and um, we were, it was, it was a very big collaboration and 
developing not only the uh, the acting side, but even the you know the emotion through the camera side and the music composer through the the music composition. And I mean, there was just a big collaboration and uh, understanding going on with the project. So it was pretty amazing. Hmm. That sounds like a really lovely supporting environment, especially for you with a cast and crew that's so understanding. But now, not only is it important for you to create an emotional environment, but it's an emotionally safe environment, but it's also important, especially in COVID, to create a physically safe environment. So what type of measures do you put in place to ensure that uh, COVID can't run rampant through your set? Absolutely. So I um, <laughs> we met with Tyler. Tyler is the film commissioner here for Hillsborough County. We met with Pete as well. Pete Guzzo, he's with Custom Built. Mm-hmm. He uh, produced a project as well. You know, we had to all, they were very, very keen on COVID safety, COVID safety. What are you going to do to be COVID safe? Because at the end of the day, it's very important to keep not only your cast safe, but your crew safe as well. Also you being safe as well. So there is a certification program, which is available to the public. And if you wanted to take, everyone can pretty much access it, but it's pretty much safe sets amidst COVID-19 and it's goes over um, precautions that you can take, precautions that you need to take, and pretty much doing that course, we did that. But also, I also initiated many meetings prior to filming to go over, okay, this is what we're going to be to do COVID safe. So I know one of the things is, you know, everyone has to have a mask on unless you're in front of the camera. And then when we're in between shots, you need to mask back up. Mm Mm-hmm. For me, I was I was very uh, I wore a mask. There were times when I would have to pull it down just to get something across because it's very hard to direct with the mask on because you're talking with the mask and people can't always hear you. Oh, I see. Yes. Keep in mind you're you're filming for like nine to ten hours a day. It's a lot, but at the end of the day, we did pretty good. I mean, you know, you have to have Germex and all kinds of um, you know stuff social distancing, you know, it's, you got to keep your, you got to keep your cast and crew safe. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of protocols and it's really not that difficult. It's pretty basic, you know, social distance when you're filming and in a filming environment, then, you know, you have the exception, but I always kept up to date with everybody if they're seeing any symptoms and nobody really was. So we, uh, we did pretty good with that. Oh, that's nice. So you film your film, it's in the can. How involved are you with post? How involved are you with editing? I've actually, for this one, I've been very involved. I always like to supervise the editor, like just sit in the room and watch them put it together. Because then you can just engage in amazing conversation with them and see their process. My director of photography is also the editor, the lead editor for the film has been doing very good. I pretty much edited my own director's cut of the film, the footage. Mm -hmm. They took my director's cut and they crafted um what they put together with it it's been it's been pretty amazing i i am very impressed i have to tell you the the talent uh in this project is very very uh they did an amazing job i think the rough cut right now is i think it's like 14 minutes it's where the only thing they're doing now is like putting the credits and stuff on it the project is amazing i i have to say it's I will say it's very hard to watch because keep in mind, we don't, it's a short film. So we don't go into the foster. We, we didn't even step into foster care yet. We're just focusing on trauma and the abuse. 
and it's uh it's very it's not kid friendly but it's very very uh very intense mm. very intense there are breathing rooms but um you will uh definitely feel that pit in your, the center of your stomach and i remember filming these scenes too and um we've had people have to like step out of the room one of the moms was just overcome with emotion uh, one of the biggest scenes in the film is the very end the last scene in the short film it is so sad and heartbreaking that you know people are crying on set watching it all unfold and Keep in mind, it's happening like 5 million times. We're doing like 5 million takes from 5 million different angles. But it, it, it had such an impact on what was going on in the scene and how the actors were doing, um, portraying it. And they did amazing. I mean, at one point, there's, I have to, I always share this. It's the funniest thing ever. I always had like, um, what do you call eye drops in case? Because they need to cry. There's a, there's a part where they cry. I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it, but. One of the young actors who I am, I'm still blown to this day. He's like, I think he's 12 years old. Uh, I said, you guys have to cry. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. So I said, oh, so I, I kind of like expected that they weren't going to be able to do that. So I brought, vi you know, eye drops and all kinds of stuff to prepare for it to make it look real. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I'll be damned. We're filming the shot, the shot, the first shot. And, you know, we're filming. And everyone's watching and we're all watching. And this kid is actually crying, like crying, crying. I, I'm sitting there like, oh my, everyone, like when the second we yelled cut, everyone looked at each other like, wow. <laughs> I mean, he really, I mean, he got me. I almost started crying. Mm -hmm. So it was good. It was, it's a, it was a crazy experience. I'll say that. And so, like you said earlier, you're not releasing it to the public because you want to shop it around for feet to become a feature. Who exactly are you showing it to, to, to make it into a long, longer project? Well, it is going to be in film festivals. It will be in film festivals. That's the route with that. We're going to do it in film festivals. I know it's film festivals. You can't release it to the public, but it will be in film festivals. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm just trying to shop it around and get it. I want to find investors. I want to find a, a, a way to make this project work because I know it's a very important project. I also will be doing a, I'm going to do a premiere of it, private premiere, and I'm going to do it for a bunch of foster and adoptive families to come out and watch it. But pretty much, like I said, I'm looking for companies that want to tell an amazing, heart-wrenching yet heartwarming story um, that dives into the lives of many of the people impacted by the foster care system. Okay. I also have a few questions about Axion Pictures studying Axion Pictures, how did you decide that that was something you wanted? You know, I, I, I wanted to do all of my films under a, a production house, one production house, and then in association with other production houses, whoever, you know, jump in and help. I originally was, I did have a business, it was DBP Productions, but I wanted a better name. I wanted something more different. So I looked into, I, I always do this for my movies too, and I'm trying to come up with titles. I go look in a thesaurus and I look up, Obviously, what, what what is it about? What is my company about? My company is about uh, being unique and being different than everybody else and just making different content. And I looked up the word unique in a thesaurus and Axion came up as one of the options. And I clicked it and I think it's like a, it's a scientific term for like a unique particle. Yeah, subatomic particle, yeah. 
Yeah, listen, it had it had it had unique in it, so I was like, you know what? It's it the name is pretty damn unique. I don't see anyone else with Axion pictures, so I went ahead and created the business and um got all the paperwork taken care of. I filed to be a minority-owned business and got was successful in that and mm-hmm. kind of been producing films. I also do commercials and um commercials was was mostly what we've been doing lately and videos for um small businesses and attorneys and stuff like that. But our film side, we get to really, I love being able to have my own production house to fall under. Ah, so for your commercials and for businesses and things like that, how exactly do you, do those companies get in contact with you? Like what's the process for making a commercial? It depends on who, who it is. Sometimes people reach out to you. It's very rare. You mostly got to go and get the work yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a website you can actually go to for um, people interested in that is, I think it's called Staff Me Up. Backstage has links to it too. Backstage now is open for videographers, but pretty much you go and you apply and you um, you apply to certain jobs and, you know, it's not, it's contract jobs, you know, contract jobs. So I, I'm starting that now. Um, but mostly, most of my work, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty good with word of mouth. I'm pretty well connected. So I'm able to get with businesses and talk with them. And they love the work I do for them. So they share it with their business friends. And they tend to, you know, need certain video services as well. Um, that's my route with small businesses through commercials. I usually get contracted out with abandoned studios or with custom built. Mm-hmm. They were shooting a beauty test they're doing virtual reality they have a whole green screen studio set up in at custom and now we just set one up in our our studio in st pete chance is amazing with the virtual reality and he figured it out how to make it work like they literally create a scene for example we're in front of a green screen right now i want the background to be a rooftop they don't just take a picture in there that's your background they have a virtual 360 degree world that like if you were to put on a, a headset, a virtual headset, you can literally turn around and see every detail. They do that for video so that when you're filming, whenever the camera turns, it turns in that world as well. You know what I mean? So, it, I mean, it's the coolest thing. So what my job was, was to film the, um, they wanted to create this whole big behind the scenes marketable content. So I went and I shot pre-production and I also shot the day of filming and now I'm editing it and um, it's good. I mean, it looks great. You know what I mean? It's, I have a little, I have a different process with clients than I do with films, but um, cause it's more like timely manner. You got to get done at this time. You got to get everything taken care of. You got to keep in touch with your clients. But for the most part, it, it, it's, it's some good work. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of people and a lot of opportunities here in the Tampa Bay area. And I think this is my last question about Axion Pictures, unless you say something and I decide there should be a follow-up. But a few months ago, I don't know if you've heard, but Diamond View Studios put in like this massive LED screen. Oh, yes, yes. uh, LED studio, yeah, over in University Mall. And I mean, like, that's a pretty big development. That's only like the third one in the entire North American continent. So clearly Tampa is really putting its flag in the sand for, for film development in our area. So I just wanted to ask, as the head of a Tampa-based production studio, where do you see Tampa's film scene going in the next 10, 20 years? I think Tampa is very, very amazing for film productions. Hillsborough County. I'm going to say Hillsborough County, not Tampa. Hillsborough County altogether. Mm-hmm. 
um, we did a commercial for Film Tampa Bay, right? Which is um, the film commissioner's office. And we get to go around and we were pretty much promoting Tampa to be filmed. And you'd be surprised. There are so much different, diverse opportunities for locations in Tampa Bay. You want a de- uh, If you want a jungle or a forest, you got all kinds of options. If you want a city, if you want this or you want, there's so many opportunities. And now that we have their, we, like I said, we have their, um, their, they do something different. They have the led boards and everything. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I know it's uh it's very impressive. I know they did it with the Mandalorian. So what they're doing is amazing over there. Um, even with Pete and um, chance with the virtual reality, that's another amazing option. There's so many, like I said, there's so many options and opportunities to do productions in Tampa. And what people fail to realize is bringing a movie to Tampa or bringing a movie to any city. It actually, um, it's very good. Say they were going to film an Avengers movie. First of all, let's look at that. They're going to film an Avengers movie in Tampa Bay. That would be amazing. That would be very good for the economy because they're coming here, meaning they're going to hire local talent, meaning extras, actors, camera guys, crew, production assistants. They're hiring local talent, catering. Not only that, they're going to all the hotels. Where where are they putting their cast and crew? You know what I mean? They're going to be sleeping in this hotel. They are bringing so much money into the economy by just shooting a production here on top of that if they're filming an avengers movie i don't know about you i was a huge i'm a huge marvel fan i always watched because people love to film behind the scenes of what like say they're filming uh an avengers movies in the street people are going to be standing around wanting to film that you'd be surprised people come from other states just to see them to film another movie so the increase in tourism even grows i know in the avengers they did they ate at this restaurant shawarma nobody knew what the hell shawarma was but after that movie that restaurant is like out the wall with customers that's just the importance of you know a film being made in that area i think tampa's opening that door with this new studio and with all these other opportunities to create amazing content and there you can do so much here so I think we're going to be starting to see a lot, a lot of um, projects and stuff being done here soon, I hope. Well, I certainly look forward to it. I think Tampa has a lot of really, like you said, amazing qualities that would really lend itself to film. Okay, so we're at the end of the interview. Derek, you are clearly a up-and-coming filmmaker. You have, so, you have your hands in so many different pools. You're constantly growing and improving. You're making movies that uh, seek to touch people and seek to increase competency in important issues. You're really doing it. So I want to know, Derek, how will you know when you've made it? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I ever will. I considered that. I said, what would happen if I ended up, you know, being in a, doing a superhero film or doing a major horror film? The thing is, you know, when you're a storyteller, you know, storytelling never ends. So I guess making it as far as that, I don't, I don't think I'll ever know. I think I'm always going to be wanting to throw the rope and to go further. All right. Well, can you tell the people where they can find you and your work? Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and you can also find us on YouTube. And we have our website, axionpictures.com. All the others are Axion Pictures. Definitely check us out. Um, we're always looking to grow and do amazing things. So 
uh, stay tuned and look at what we do. You have just finished listening to the second episode of On The Way Season 2. On The Way was created, hosted, and edited by me, Jade Madison Scott. The theme was composed by Bajo Alvarado, and the logo was created by Michael Coy. I said fun fact last time, so now I'm going to call it a tasty truth. Tasty truth! You can listen to an extra 10 minutes of this interview with Derek over on our WGC Productions Patreon. He talks about his experience with Zoom auditions, his mainstream aspirations, and more. Just head over to WGC Productions on Patreon and subscribe. You can also show us some love by following us at WithGoodCo on Twitter and Instagram, as well as sliding over to our website, WGCProductions.com, and purchasing some of our merch. Our Season 2 merch is a portrait of an Igbo rooster designed by yours truly. It's very cute. Alright, next week, our guest is actor and musician Will Stokes. As always, I appreciate you for listening, and please take care of yourself and